put your money where the movement is. It's the people that make the world go round, that make the world go round. Oh, is it the money? Hey, I'm Alexis. I'm community. Hey, I'm Michael. I'm Capital. So something like that. We are recording. Thumbs up. Yeah, it's been a busy week, man. I'm happy to be in one place, at least for a couple of days. I was in Lisbon for literally five hours. I spent more time flying to and from Lisbon than I did actually in Portugal. All right. So for those who don't know, what was going on in Lisbon? Well, this was a, a, a conference, first of its kind, called Breakpoint, run by Solana, which is one of the, the leading blockchains right now. They're doing all the work that they can to really start to mobilize the community around this idea of uh, a, a blockchain that offers pretty incredible speed, pretty darn affordable cost, makes some trade-offs for a little bit more centralization to do so, but provides something that, especially for DeFi, has proven to be really valuable and really useful. And, and part of the bet was kicking off this, this sort of in real life gathering would help further galvanize the community of developers and builders. And the Solana team had asked me to basically earmark a portion of the next 776 fund for Solana built startups. And it's an interesting cosign because, you know, on the one hand, there are lots of VCs who would love to have the, the partnership because that relationship obviously means lots of good things for helping our portfolio companies that are building on the Solana blockchain. And I think in particular, the Solana folks looked at background building Reddit and said, hey, look, we could build the next generation of social on Solana and we want 776 to be running point on those deals. So we announced a $50 million that promptly jumped to 100 by the end of the announcement. It's just earmarking dollars from uh, our existing fund to uh, focus on the ecosystem. This is community times capital in action. It is. In a lot of ways, it really is. And, and it will not be the last of its kind. I think more venture firms will do similar, or at least try to. And I know we're not done yet. We have some pretty big ambitions for Web3. And I get into Twitter fights about this all the time because I'm just not a maximalist. I, I love Bitcoin. I love Ethereum. I, I love Solana. I, I love Polygon. I am not married to a single chain or a single doctrine. I think it's got to be the right tool for the right job, at least right now. Everything, or not everything, a lot of things are still very much up for grabs and the sort of roles that different technologies are going to play. I just know I'm very long Web3 and I'm mostly paying attention to where the smartest people I know are going and building. I mean, we've talked about this on prior episodes where we are so early and it remains so to be seen which protocols may actually end up as the winners, just like internet 1.0, where it wasn't obvious in the 90s that eBay or Amazon or Google or, or Yahoo were going to win. That took time to develop. And it seems like there's similarities in that regard here, where blockchains are still trying to figure out where they fit into the ecosystem, what their value proposition is, and why they will win. At the same time, there's obviously a ton of energy around certain chains. Ethereum has a ton of developers. It has a lot going on mm -hmm. in the NFT space and there are reasons why, but Solana also has its reasons why people are coalescing around that ecosystem. So what made you decide to partner with the Solana ecosystem and why you think that the future of social is gonna be built on the Solana chain as opposed to some other chain? Well, okay, so again, I don't think it's gonna be exclusive to anyone. 
blockchain necessarily. So Solana has flexed its might, uh, and and for DeFi in particular, like I said, the, the attractiveness of what they've built is really, I would argue, the most viable for a lot of DeFi, for a lot of decentralized finance, because of what they can do pretty cheaply and and pretty effectively, and where the trade offs for decentralization don't really matter. The user experience is a north star. We talk about that a lot here. I care so much about the user experience of software. I think that is what ultimately wins in time after time, and so. When we talk about this intersection of community and capital, I think you're going to see that today DeFi is a very single player. I mean, it is a multiplayer experience, but it feels like a single player experience. I think there are versions of it in the not too distant future that will look and feel actually a lot more social. And and that's where I think the most obvious wedge is. Um, I think games are also another one where, again, it's going to depend on the game, but that is a, a realm where I think that the value proposition of Solana makes a lot of sense for a lot of what people are doing. Because of creating Reddit, the sort of social consumer label is usually put on me and by extension 776. But increasingly, what that really means is going to blur. Social, I think, goes from being a vertical to a sort of horizontal because games will be social. Even fintech will be social. There will be more and more components of a multiplayer type experience and a sort of consumer quality product that will exist, I think, just about everywhere. Look at it this way. The fact that profile picks, which are just JPEGs, have this amazing multiplayer experience because of Web3, because there is a truly social dynamic. Now, that dynamic lives on Discord and Twitter and maybe telegrams and group chats, but like that's a perfect example of how you can take something that is just fundamentally not a very social thing, but because of the dynamic of ownership and collaboration and community is now a social product. I think what you're also hitting on is the the sheer fact of ownership. We saw it with the ENS token airdrop, yeah. right? Wild, Where people right? are effectively getting tokens for doing work on Web3. They're creating their Ethereum domain names and similarly, I'm sure in Solana ecosystem as well, you're going to be, and you may be investing dollars, but that's going to end up being in tokens as well, in Solana tokens. So you will likely have some sort of stake in the growth of the ecosystem as a result of that. And people who participate or own Solana tokens, they're going to be wanting to and incentivized to participate in that ecosystem because the value of the token will increase if they are a part of that ecosystem and making sure that that ecosystem grows in terms of quality of projects, the, the, the value of the tokens, et cetera. That's really part of the value here. And, and I guess putting the capital hat on, is that how you're thinking about an ecosystem fund where it's having exposure to the tokens themselves is important because that's the value of participation and ownership? Absolutely. And I think even as we start to develop a broader, I hate to even call it a crypto strategy, but as we start thinking about this, I think as venture investors, we have to consider the the broader ecosystem as we make investments. And I guess we don't have to, we can still be very, like I, I've never bought tokens through any of my funds and still turned out pretty well. But how much bigger would the 55x DPI fund that seeded Coinbase be if we had also just spent as much money buying Bitcoin? And and there are funds that I think missed on Coinbase that just bought a bunch of Bitcoin as the sort of proxy ecosystem bet and did really well. And so I'm trying to learn from this. I'm trying to get smarter. And so I think this is going to be a part of 
the way that we build an outperforming fund. And, and it is because it is a good proxy. And frankly, you might as well participate in all the different levels of the investment. I think it just at the end of the day would make you a better investor. I think it makes us a better investor to own so rare cards and play so rare. It makes us a better investor to own Axie land and Axies and play Axie. And so as a fund, we haven't normally been able to think about that because if you were, I was an early investor in Instacart, there was no proxy. Our venture fund would not conceivably what invest in I don't know, smartphones. That was the core technology in 2012 that made Instacart work. We're not going to hoard a bunch of smartphones or maybe we buy a bunch of Apple and Alphabet stock. I don't know. Like there isn't, but in Web3, you can actually do it. You have a much closer investment to the, the core one and keep winning. So I guess what you're getting at, putting aside that in Web3, there may be a decentralized Instacart or Uber, not sure. to put your Instacart investment on paper at risk, but uh, because <laughs> eventually there could be a world where the Instacart delivery people end up getting tokens and it's decentralized. And I want to get to that in a little bit. But before we do, I guess to translate what you're saying, you're basically saying there is a correlation between being long the equity or the company or the protocol itself and then being long the token. So if you are long Coinbase, you should also be long the largest crypto assets, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and you should have exposure to both company or equity and token. And that's the new mindset of venture capital. I, I think if you're really playing to win, yes, I think it has to be. I look at it a little bit from a selfish point of view, which is just, I know the work that we're doing to support these companies, and I know the increase in value it's creating, and I want to capture as much of that value as possible. It's very selfish. Do you think there's a different mindset, though, when it comes to owning tokens than it than it does when you're owning equity of a company? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think in a lot of cases, you could argue that the illiquidity of equity is a really valuable thing because LPs, that is our investors, right, tend to have they have a bias towards getting cash back sooner, which I get. I, I totally understand that. And you're seeing this with moves like Sequoia's recently there is this effect that happens. I've seen it in my own personal portfolio with Reddit stock. I've seen it in my professional portfolio through 776. The power of concentration and then as these companies really start to grow and, and really enter this growth period, the multiplier effect, the sort of compounding effect of an investment is massive, <laughs> is really, really massive. And so to the extent that you don't have these liquidity concerns, it is really, really beneficial for the long-term value creation to just hodl. Mm -hmm. And I actually think what's wild is we're entering a new territory. Everyone's back in January asking me about Wall Street bets. And like I said then, and still say now, the genie's not going back. That is, this is the new normal. And we're in a territory where, so diamond hands is sort of culturally lauded. And we're creating more and more opportunities for kind of financial ingenuity that used to just be available for rich people. And like a specific example is, you know, I've, I have all these crypto punks. The reason I will never sell any of those crypto punks is not just because, you know, of cultural connection to the family and I don't want to sell it in diamond hands, but also because if I ever needed to access the value of those crypto punks, like any piece of art, I can actually borrow against it. 
And today, the framework for doing that is still kind of inefficient or quite inefficient, I should say. But technology is going to get way better. This is a big thing of what Alt is doing, which obviously mm-hmm. announced a big Series B. But just imagine all those board Ape holders or any of these NFT holders who are already hodling, holding at all costs sort of. They're now going to have ways to actually not just do it from a philosophical, irrational standpoint, but also from a practical standpoint. Like they can still access liquidity without having to actually sell the asset. So what does that mean? That means people are going to hold even more intensely and even more strongly. And so when we look at Tesla stock, when we look at Bored Apes, when we look at Sequoia owning, I think they have 25, 30% of Stripe. I, I don't think I have any Stripe paper, but I would... I, Long all-day stripe. Disclosure, just assume I have it. But like (laughs) that investment, I would hold for the rest of my life. There's no reason I would ever sell stripe that I could think of all day long. And so Sequoia is sitting there going, well, of course, we're not going to sell stripe. And so now you have with Sequoia 2.0, you have one of the largest shareholders in stripe that's never going to sell. (laughs) <laughs> and and then you have a bunch of people who, when it goes public, are going to also, I, I don't know if it becomes a meme stock, but there's a bunch of people who are going to be like, yep, not going to, I mean, anyone in tech is going to be like, of course, I'm going to hold Stripe. And so you're going to create this phenomenon that we're only seeing in bits and pieces, but I think is a real part of the future where you're going to have this sort of diamond hands mindset throughout all kinds of assets, ones that used to be pretty liquid and others that are becoming liquid. And what does that do? What does that do to markets when people are just irrational? Like, I am never going to sell this either because I've, I've aped into it and I principally don't want to leave this community and or because I can get the liquidity I need if I really have to pay some bills. Well, this brings up, I think, the really important theme and something that seems to be part of the next frontier of fintech and crypto. Crypto has kind of ushered this in, which is the idea and concept of staking, where you don't have to actually sell your assets, you can stake them, earn yield on it more than you'd earn in your Bank of America or Wells Fargo account. But then we're also seeing this in other non-traditional assets or alternative assets like what Alt is doing, borrowing against a portfolio of sports cards. The question then becomes, who can underwrite that? Traditional banks don't know how to underwrite that yet. So somebody needs to create that financial innovation in order to be able to underwrite these assets. So to your point, I think what this brings up is a huge vacuum for innovation in terms of being able to underwrite assets and then provide liquidity against these new assets that, like you've said, Stripe is obviously more easily understood. It's equity versus sports cards or crypto, which may be harder for larger financial services firms right now to underwrite. (laughs) But eventually, I think we'll get to a place where because many younger people want to hold these assets because of the financial value the cultural value, the community value too. Owning CryptoPunks gives you entry into a community that others who don't own those assets don't have. And you may not want to sell your CryptoPunks for that reason. There may be assets that are just as valuable, but if you don't want to sell those assets because you then no longer have entry into a community, you need to figure out a way to borrow against that. So there has to be financial innovation on the liquidity side so that people can get liquidity. They're not going to want to spend Bitcoin to buy their coffee. Oh, that's one of the most, that's probably the most expensive pizza in history. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of FOMO in that that pizza. This is, Michael's referencing the pizza that was sort of famously first bought with Bitcoin, which today is worth, uh, what, a few million dollars? 10,000 Bitcoin. 10,000 Bitcoins. Jeez. Oh, Laszlo. His name is Laszlo. I just Googled this. 
Oh, man. He bought two Papa John's pizzas. Man, wouldn't man. he have loved a line of credit on that one? Wow. That is worth $4 billion U.S. dollars today? Good Lord. One crazy thought. If we believe that financial services is getting embedded in it's not everything, most everything, because the infrastructure is there. There's a ton of embedded finance plays, which are enabling card issuing. Marketa actually powers much of Instacart's card issuing. I, th- I believe Instacart's one of their yeah, big customers. Yeah, I think you're right. So there are these companies that are providing the ability for embedded financial services. Do you think we'll see a world where people may not want to pay in Bitcoin, but as we've seen younger people's portfolios shift, and there's also a great Wall Street Journal article about this, where this 26-year-old entrepreneur in Miami, Michael Martucci, said that he'd rather manage his money by himself. Five hundred thousand yes, to a million dollars. There's so a whole Wall Street Journal changing article. mindset yeah. of people saying, "I don't want to use traditional means to manage money, i.e., advisors." Yeah. And and not only that, they may have large portions of their net worth in something like crypto. A lot of Web3 native people who made their wealth there will continue to manage their wealth there. Do you think we'll see crazy things like, you know, dominoes say, hey, look, I know you have most of your money in Bitcoin. You probably don't want to pay for your pizza in Bitcoin because the value of Bitcoin is going to go up (laughs) and you want to hold Bitcoin against the dollar as an inflation hedge. Inflation numbers were 6% or so in the past week. Finally admitting to it. So do you think that traditional companies will figure that out and say, I know you hold a lot of your assets, net worth in crypto assets, Web3, whatever it may be. We understand your credit and you have X amount of dollars in crypto or Bitcoin or whatever. We'll let you lend against that so you can buy your pizza, but still hold your net worth in crypto. Do you think that that type of thing, the crazy idea I just thought of, but does that seem like it's a world that we're going to enter? Because if people want to hold their wealth and they have reasons for holding their wealth in certain assets, how do they live in the normal world where people still want to pay for things in dollars? I live this on a personal level every day uh, because I really... Look, I think you are on a very real thing. It all comes back to user experience. There's a version of this that's probably the middle ground we're seeing right now, which is some people asking to be paid in cryptocurrency. And maybe it's not ha- maybe it's like half your salary. I, I think there's probably a, an awkward transition phase where we have better user experiences for just simply saying, hey, look, pay me 50% in X and then... Y and then 25% in fiat. And that goes into this bank account, which I'll use to feed myself and pay my rent or whatever uh, the breakdown. I think there's going to have to be some middle ground in between and then some clever engineering to to basically invent new banking infrastructure. Because to your point, these are assets that you're going to have to value using software there's still custody stuff that's got to get sorted. There's a whole lot of banking infrastructure that is not going to easily adapt. That's going to require totally from the ground up software that someone's going to have to build. Hopefully, these are some of the startups we'll be funding. And and I do think, okay, it seems, I mean, we can get really weird with this. Like, Let's get weird. So if we get super efficient with this and, uh, man, is that already? Oh, I got to go. I have to <laughs> to go talk to some LPs. Uh, we'll get we'll get weird about this in a second. But then I, I I'm already five minutes late for an LP meeting. No, no worries. We were just getting into the good stuff. I know, I know. We'll get weird with it. It'll be fun. 